Welcome back to the Sports Drive here on ESPN Pensacola and the ESPN Pensacola app. It is my pleasure to welcome on Amber Wilson, uh, ESPN radio host, uh, alongside Joe Fortenbaugh, Amber Wilson, co-hosting Joe and Amber. Um, you can listen to it right after the Sports Drive here on ESPN Pensacola. Amber, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Drew. Oh yeah, it it is totally my pleasure. So I I, I understand with with, with uh, doing this new show. It's not really new for you though. You obviously have hosted a show for, for for quite some time, going back to you know your days in Miami. But what what's it like being able to say that you're an ESPN radio host and you're doing it on a daily basis? I mean, it's quite literally a dream come true. You know, I you mentioned that I had the local show in Miami for about five, six years down there doing local was a lot of fun, but I developed a relationship with ESPN back in 2019. And the goal was always one day to go national, go network and get to talk about sports across the entire country. And being able to do that is, is a dream come true. Having my name on a show at that level is definitely hashtag goals that I have completed. So uh, I'm thrilled. I couldn't be happier. What's your favorite part about hosting the show with Joe? Joe is wonderful because he is our one of our ESPN betting analysts. He's out in Las Vegas. He hosts a show called The Daily Wager. So he brings all of that to the table. That's obviously a growing area. And it's one that I'm learning about more and more, like so many of us, as time goes on. So he brings that expertise to the table. We sprinkle that throughout the show. We're not a betting show specifically. So if it ain't your thing, you'll still have a lot of fun listening to our show. But we bring enough of it. So if it is your thing or if you want to familiarize yourself with the world of sports betting, it's a great show and a great opportunity to do that since we weave it into regular sports conversation. And then every night we give you a few bets as well to keep your eyes on. Awesome stuff. Uh, and um, along with what Joe brings to the table from that betting side of things, you're also a practicing attorney. So I it, it, I want to ask you a little bit about how you you balance things a little bit, not only with, with, with the law stuff, but also hosting a show in and how that stuff is kind of incorporated as well, because we see all the time, it seems like there's stories throughout, whether it be football, basketball, baseball season, whatever, where there there's stuff with contracts and, and random things that you know about in your expertise that you can also bring to the table. Yeah, it's funny, Drew, because I did not go to law school thinking that it was going to help me in my broadcasting career. I had been in television for about seven years in sports. Hmm. Before I went to law school, hosting shows for CBS Sports, CBS Sports Line back in the day, uh, SNY Network, kind of all around. Mm. And I made the decision to go to law school after many years. And it wasn't because I thought, well, this is going to help me in broadcasting. I was thinking that I was going to transition to a different career and get into more of the business side of sports, frankly. And wow. It turns out that it really helps me on the broadcasting side. It's really bizarre how that works. And it's like what you just mentioned, these legal issues keep coming up in sports. It permeates every level of sports. And honestly, having that background has made me so much better at this job. And so it wasn't the reason that I went to law school, but it ended up being a huge advantage to me after I became a lawyer and broadcasting kind of kept sucking me back in every time I thought that I was just going to go full lawyer. At one point I was working in the Dolphins front office and their legal department. I thought maybe I would go that route and broadcasting kept sucking me back in, but it helped me so much in broadcasting and absolutely 100% made me a better broadcaster. And I can bring some of that expertise to the table and break down some of those more serious subjects in sports. We have a lot of fun, but we also can mm. bring that as well to our show. And so I think it's a really good listen for everybody to kind of have both sides that we can present. 
Amber Wilson joining the Sports Drive now, a co-host of Joe and Amber alongside Joe Fortenbaugh on ESPN Radio. You can listen to it here on ESPN Pensacola right after the Sports Drive. Um, you, you brought up Miami, and obviously, given your past in Miami, I want to ask you about Tua and, and this concussion stuff. So, um, obviously, the season didn't quite go as Dolphins fans maybe would have hoped. When Tua played, they were really good. The problem was the concussion issues and everything like that. And there was talk about what Tua would decide to do with all these concussions he's had. It seems like he's going to play, but going forward, how 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 much do we need to follow the the course of how the Dolphins handle things with Tua, but but also Tua himself and being more aware of the concussions and things? Because I feel like this season, for some reason, we saw more of the serious side of concussions than we have previously, at least. Well, we saw more of the serious side of concussions, at least specifically when it comes to Tua. I, I don't know. And there were other players in the league that had multiple concussions this season. It wasn't covered the same. The narrative around it wasn't quite the same. The reality of it is, Drew, that this is part of the Tua Tonga Valoa storm moving forward. Mm. And I think some of that has to do with his injury history as a whole. I mean, this is a player who didn't really have that many starts overall in college. And we know in part because of the injury history stemming back there on a very high profile team on a very high profile stage. And so I think that has sort of followed him to the NFL. He's had some injuries in the league outside of concussions as well. And now with this concussion issue that has presented itself this season, I think that there's such a hyper focus on it with this player. I don't think that's going away anytime soon. So I think how he handles it moving forward, how the Dolphins handle it moving forward, it's just not the same as other players in the league, even at the same position. I mean, Kenny Pickett for the Steelers had multiple concussions this season. Nobody was calling for his retirement. Nobody was speaking about it the same way. Now we didn't see the concussion happen to Kenny Pickett the same way that we saw them happen to Tua on national television with the fingers and the stumbling. And it was mm. a terrifying moment for all of us witnessing it. So I think that that plays into this, but now for whatever reason, good or bad, and I'm not sitting here and pretending like it shouldn't be part of Tua's story. It is part of Tua's story. That's just the reality of it. The Dolphins and Tua are going to be having to deal with that moving forward. So they're going to have to handle this thing very, very carefully. At the very least, the Dolphins have to find a viable backup quarterback that also can stay healthy because this season, one of the bigger problems, even beyond just Tua's concussions, is that Teddy Bridgewater was hurt every single time Tua was mm. hurt. And you can't yeah. have that. If you have durability issues with your starter, you've got to have a durable backup at least. And so that has to be their focus moving forward if they plan on keeping Tua as their starter, which it seems like that, that is something that they're committed to. Yeah, the best of it, uh, the best ability is availability. And it's important, obviously, at the position that is, is uh, labeled as one of the most important, if not the most important in sports, um, to have a guy who can stay healthy. Uh, Tom Brady is obviously got a decision on his hands as well. Do, do you think Tom plays next year, or what? Like, like, what's your gut feeling on this? I wish I knew what made Tom Brady tick, right? Other than competition and other than football, I don't know how, frankly, to evaluate this one. I mean, I think we all thought that he was done when he actually did retire for that 40 days last year. Heck, if he had retired after the Super Bowl the year before, we would have all thought it was reasonable. If he had retired five years before that, we would have all thought it was reasonable. So it's hard to evaluate what's inside Tom Brady's head because I think he functions in a way, frankly, that none of the rest of us would. I mean, it's why he's the greatest. I'm sure it's helped him in his career. Maybe at this point it's harming him a little bit 
It's mm. hard for these guys to envision life beyond football. Even if you're Tom Brady, even if you've done it all, even if you're, you know, rich as heck and you're handsome and you're going to go on and have an unbelievable, you know, a hundred million plus career in television if you want it and all the supplement businesses and everything else that he has off to the side, the future is really bright for him beyond football, but that doesn't necessarily make that transition that much easier because football has been part of his life his entire life. And so maybe that's the struggle. I don't know. It's hard to imagine him hanging it up, but the reality is, Drew, I mean, he, the age is starting to factor in a little bit. He's had a good season specifically on a pretty bad Tampa team with no O-line in front of him. I think he could still be good even at 46, but it would need to be the perfect environment. He's hitting that point in his career where everything needs to be perfect. You know, he has to have the perfect O-line. He has to have weapons like peak Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, not this version of Evans and Godwin. He needs to have the help in the backfield that Leonard Fournette could not give him this season. He's got to have a better defense than that Tampa defense ended up being. And I don't know if that situation exists outside of maybe San Francisco. And if I'm San Francisco, if I can do it with Mr. Irrelevant, who I think Brock Purdy right now is 23 years old, why am I going to go Mm. to the 46-year-old guy? And so I don't know – if the suitors are going to, frankly, end up being what Brady wants. Amber Wilson joining the show, uh, ESPN radio host. Joe and Amber, you can listen to the show right after the sports drive is done. Yeah, I, I think that, and, and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, is it, it you would be crazy in a way you're telling yourself that you don't want Tom Brady, but at the same time, if you're the 49ers and you say, well, we're doing this with Mr. Relevant Brock Purdy, and before we were doing it with Jimmy G, and before we had a plan with Trey Lance, I mean, I don't know if any of these teams who needs quarterbacks and is looking around that that is a contender. I don't know how many of those teams there are. I mean, maybe Tennessee. I don't know if that would be an option for, for Tom either. But, I mean, the Chiefs aren't getting rid of Patrick Mahomes. Bills aren't getting rid of Josh Allen. The Bengals aren't getting rid of Joe Burrow. The Eagles aren't getting rid of, of Jalen Hurts. And even now, I mean, the Giants, I don't think they're going to get rid of Daniel Jones either, by the, by the way, that he's been playing um, either it's an interesting situation for Tom, but also for these other teams too. Is, is there any team that maybe isn't quite as uh, talented that may take a flyer on Jimmy G or, or on Brock Purdy if for, for whatever reason the 49ers want to go in the direction of Trey Lance still? Uh, well, and they may still hang on to Trey Lance because don't forget what they gave up to get Trey Lance. We haven't still really seen much of Trey Lance. I would imagine right now they're maybe regretting that decision a little bit because if they can do it with Brock Purdy, then they didn't need to worry about moving up to get Trey Lance. But I do think Jimmy Garoppolo will be on an open market. The problem with Jimmy D is also the durability concerns when it comes to Garoppolo. And then I think the additional problem is now that we're seeing what Brock Purdy's doing in the Shanahan system, is Jimmy Garoppolo just a system quarterback? You know, I mean, he, and nobody thinks he's Patrick Mahomes, but we also all thought he was, you know, pretty decent when he's out there and he's healthy. Certainly he's led them to the promised lands before, but maybe that's more about Kyle Shanahan than it ever was about Jimmy Garoppolo. And so I don't know if it looks the same, even if he stays healthy in another uniform. I think that's the concern there. Listen, the reality is, though, he's had success in the league. There will always be takers when it comes to the quarterback position. Heck, we just saw Geno Smith get his starting job, and it took us a decade to figure out that he might look pretty good when he's in the right system and surrounded by the right talent with the right coach. And so these guys end up getting chances after chances after chances after chances. He's going to end up somewhere. There's definitely going to be a market for all of the quarterbacks that you just mentioned. A couple more things for you, Amber. Uh, you're Florida Gators. Uh, so so this whole thing with Jaden Rashada is, is really weird, name, image, and likeness, and then all of a sudden he, he's there on campus and then leaves, isn't enrolled, and is now no longer a part of the Florida Gators. His recruitment is reopened. 
Um, a weird situation there, obviously, but how would you grade Billy Napier's time there? How, how would you grade this first season? Uh, um, I would grade it as disappointing. I do think that we've got to give him a little bit of time, though. I mean, I'm certainly not willing to throw in the towel on Billy Napier and say that it's not going to work. You know, he's got work to do, and he's got to have an opportunity to bring in his own guys. Now, this story that you just mentioned does not help, and he's operating in a world now of NIL, and this story surrounding Rashada is maybe an NIL promise or an NIL deal gone wrong. It's a complicated world when we're talking about booster collectives and you're talking about these deals and you're talking about millions of dollars changing hands with very few regulations and all the state laws being different and all the university bylaws as well, by the way, being different in how they handle NIL and how they handle these things called booster collectives. And so it's a really murky world. You have to find the right coach to be able to deal with that world. I don't know if Billy Napier is that guy, but I'm not willing to give up on him yet. I am a diehard Gators fan. I'm trying my hardest to exercise some patience. I think you got to give him some time, frankly. Bring in his own guys. Let's see how it goes. I understand navigating this NIL world and the complexities of that. This is an ugly story right now for the University of Florida. But at the same time, who knows how Rashad is going to pan out when he's actually in college and actually getting anything done, no matter where he ends up uh, with his career, his collegiate career. And so – I'll exercise caution right now. I'm Billy Napier and say, you know what? He's got some more time from me. I, I still believe right now that maybe that maybe he can get it done. There's a lot of turning around to do, though, and a lot of competition brewing even in just this state. Regarding all this name, image, and likeness stuff, too, real quick, obviously the NCAA has really fumbled the bag, if you will, in this type of a situation where now it's up to the states, and they're, they're wanting federal legislation in regarding uh, to how name, image, and likeness should work. I mean, how, how is this really trickled down to all of a sudden becoming not just an NCAA issue and even just a university issue, but a state and federal law sort of problem now? Well, because they're the ones that force the hands of the NCAA. The problem Mm. is, and all has always been, or certainly the last 10 years, has been the lack of leadership from the NCAA and the lack of unification from the NCAA. The NCAA basically at this point has deemed itself powerless. And by sitting on its hands for so long and trying to fight against NIL, it ends up being in such a weak position once NIL is legalized in the huge, overwhelming majority of the states. It's something that legislatures took into their own hands. They essentially circumvent the NCAA, and NIL is legal. And they would have a very difficult time at this point, the NCAA would, instituting a bunch of rules about something that they're way behind the market. The problem is, The reality is that even though we all believe that these kids absolutely unequivocally should be able to benefit off of their own name, images, and likenesses, none of us have a problem with that. The problem is the complexities of that and how all of that's instituted. And it's one thing to just say, well, they should be able to benefit. It's another thing when you actually start looking at the legalities of it and the situations that are actually arising. Right now, it's the wild, wild west. And sure, that can be a benefit to the player. It can also be harmful as well. We want to protect these kids as well. And the reality is, that you're inking contracts with minors, with companies. There's different laws in place for different things. There's not many things in terms of regulations. There's not even things in terms of certifications of agents when it comes to name, image, and likeness. So imagine anybody can represent a 17-year-old who's signing these monster contracts for these deals. Are these contracts enforceable? Are they not? It depends what state they're in. And it creates a wild, wild west problem where no one's protected. The companies aren't protected when kids promise them things. 
The players aren't necessarily protected when they're being promised money. And when it comes to the different states, the laws are all over the place. There is no unifying laws and unifying body. And so it's putting some states behind others. There are some states with more protections than others, spelling out things like, hey, these contracts can't last beyond their four-year tenure in college. That's not necessarily the rule in every state. And so there's complexities involved. The reality is most of these kids, obviously, this is their time to earn their money. But you want to make sure that everybody's protected when there's contracts and potentially tens of thousands or millions of dollars changing hands. It's it's the wild, wild west. I mean, I, I don't want to I could go on forever <laughs> with this because obviously the lawyer in me is so intrigued by all of this. Yeah. But, you know, you even saw it with Nick Saban. I mean, you can mm. see it in real time. So like Alabama took a little bit of a step back here the last couple of years, right? Well, Alabama, when NIL first went into effect, it was legalized in Alabama, but their legislature had a law on the books in Alabama that outlawed booster collectives. Well, you can see Texas and Texas A&M didn't have the same law, right? You can yeah. see all these other schools didn't have the same law. So they would have these booster collectives, which are literally groups of boosters that come together, pool their own money into an account, millions, hundreds of millions, maybe tens of millions of dollars into an account, and they just pay kids out of it. That's all it is. It's pay for play, but it's from the boosters. It's not from the school. And when Alabama wasn't able to do that, then all of a sudden they're not able to compete from a recruiting perspective. And so you see Nick Saban slip a little bit. Now the legislature, after like eight months, it, they rushed and changed that law because that's when Nick Saban was out in his press conferences and, and talking about, you know, the NIL and going after Jimbo Fisher and everything that happens there because he was behind the mark because of the legalities of it. And that's what I mean. The differences in the laws between the states are actually harming different schools in different states. And every university also has their own bylaws. There's no unification. It's the wild, wild west. She's Amber Wilson, ESPN Radio host. Joe and Amber, you can listen to their show right after the sports drive is done. Um, Amber, I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Um, congratulations, obviously, as well on, on on the show. And we look forward to listening uh, for quite some time. Have a good one. Thank you so much again. Thanks so much for having me. Check us out 7 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. Thanks so much.